Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. Today's episode comes directly from you, the viewer and listener, particularly from our YouTube channel. This is from Benjamin. Thank you for commenting and watching our videos or these episodes on YouTube. And your suggestion, Benjamin, we decided to turn into an episode that is addressing our responsibilities to ourselves before we can be responsible for anyone else. Love, Benjamin. Benjamin, we love you too. We thank you for this suggestion and thought we would dive in for today's episode. I think for me personally, um, this concept of, of having a self and tending to self and responsibility to self was a really new concept um, up through my 30s when I really came to realize how little I did that. You know, thinking I was being a good person, being supportive, always seeking to achieve or do something. What I come to realize around that time was how little responsibility and care I was for myself in action. I was always overstepping my limits, always talking myself out of my emotions, always, again, thinking I was doing for someone else or in service of someone else, only to come to realize that ultimately I wasn't including myself in that equation at all. I have a similar experience thinking or really intending to live such a selfless life that in reflection, I can see many decades, at least all through my 20s, in some ways was very selfish because while I devoted all of my time to national service, volunteer projects, nursing, teaching, all of these service pathways, I also noted in reflection how for me that was an extension of giving myself to another so that I could sort of displace or ignore the wounding and the healing that I needed to do within. And over time when that consistently sort of snowballs, I then became 29, 30 years old, completely burnt out from uh, multiple different career paths that I had chosen all in service of another because there was nothing for me to give anymore. Everything was given out to someone else. My you know, sleepless nights, extra shifts or endless hours when really I then got to an empty cup and a bare minimum. So any giving that I could give was superficial in a way. Yeah. And I think the the reason why this conversation and we're even having a pause and devoting an entire episode to responsibility to, to self is actually piggybacks off of, I don't know how many episodes it was ago, but I was acknowledging my own tendency to externalize blame when I was feeling or as I feel exhausted and I don't have anything left in my cup to pour, my habitual tendency wasn't to see how I wasn't taking responsibility for myself. It was to point the finger outward, to blame everyone else who was in need of or making requests of me or expectations of me. And I was becoming really resentful of everything out there, not seeing that the role I was playing, which was not creating the space or not in action, taking responsibility for myself. So that was a huge you know, kind of mental or mindset shift to even notice that I was doing that, right? If I want to feel good about how I'm able to show up in service of someone else, if I'm wanting to feel like my cup is filled, then I need to see the role I'm playing at emptying my cup out 
and not ever refilling it. I need to see the role that I'm playing subconsciously of overstepping myself, of really not taking that responsibility instead of just so naturally pointing the finger outside of myself as I had done habitually for decades. We often go to externalization because it's easier to blame. It kind of gives us a free pass in a way, or at least it occurs that way for us in the interim. In the long run, when we're externalizing and blaming externally, we leave ourselves completely powerless. We don't have control of the outside world beyond this vessel of ourselves. We do, however, have control of our responses, our reactions, how we reframe things, the meanings that we assign to things, and then how we respond to that meaning. So as in all of our conversations, it is a friendly reminder that this mirror we often talk about holding up to ourselves gives us the reflection of the only thing we actually have tangible ability to do anything with. And that is with ourselves. It didn't matter how much I could make myself available to another or how much I could give my heart to another or show up, you know, depleted, sleepless, but still at someone's service to care for them. And maybe this person was terminally ill. Maybe they were in their own traumatic experience and I knew that I could be there to support them. So in good nature, there are a lot of moments that I was, whether it was in my personal life or in my professional work life, overextending myself to serve others or to serve families and children. In retrospect, I can see that everything I was offering, if you're actually witnessing the full view of my life in the macro, you can see that everything I was giving, I was not giving to myself. And if I were a child watching these past versions of myself as a movie, what I would have learned is that the goal or the best way to show up for another and for myself is to completely overextend myself, to always put other needs before my own, which really is a way of negating my own responsibility, my own self-care needs. So it's an opportunity for us to, to imagine if we were to peel back and watch ourselves and our lives through the eyes of a small child, don't look at what you're saying, but really, what are you doing? Look at the actions that you are modeling. Is that actually being responsible and in service of your own needs first? Or is it an extension to serve and attempt to meet the needs of another, which actually renders us over here depleted and powerless? And I think in addition to being powerless, I think another byproduct of that anger, very understandable, when our needs aren't met, when we're overstepping our boundaries or our boundaries are violated, we feel understandably angry and that anger can turn into resentment. And then what that can look like in our relationships is actually not so kind and compassionate behaviors, right? So outside of being powerless, we're also being reactive. And sometimes in our cycles of reactivity, we can be mean, we can be controlling, we can be distant, we can be all of these things that internally or intentionally, we don't necessarily want to be or aren't actually in service of another. And what I would see in myself, in my own relationships, overstepping my own boundaries, not only did I feel that powerlessness, I would feel 
angry when someone, you know, of no fault of their own, because at this point they've come to expect me to be on the other end of that phone call, to show up for the plans or whatever it was that they were proposing or needed of me. Not only were they in expectation that I, that I be there in those moments, when I did choose to show up to fulfill that expectation, the me that was showing up wasn't only depleted, it was sometimes reactive, upset, that resentment and that anger was leaking out and was coloring then our dynamic. I would become secretly resentful of the particular few people who were always consistently in need of me so much so that their, you know, their name would ping on my text message. And I would start to feel that internal clenching. Now I'm feeling upset by this person who by all, you know, intents and purposes it's not their responsibility for me to be upset by them. It was my responsibility to tune into myself, to acknowledge that I didn't have the bandwidth to be available and to show up in responsibility for myself. And when none of that happens, I passive aggressively respond back or I ignore you. Or if I don't, if I'm really depleted and agitated, I might erupt outward, screaming and yelling and, you know, reacting in a way that I don't necessarily want to react. So, Again, another reason why it is so important to be responsible and to figure out where our limits are is because the byproducts of some of these reactive explosive behaviors can actually be relationship damaging. And I think we've all been there in those moments, whether it was explosive anger or that passive aggressive sort of silent resentment, we can all feel it. That's actual energy intention. And as much as responsibility is a choice that we can make for ourselves, it is also a skill. And just like any skill, it's something that can be learned. So as you're hearing and what I just heard in your sharing is the learning of ourselves and our reactions, being responsible for our choices, being responsible for not overextending ourselves. That's all information and awareness that comes as we learn the skill of responsibility, as we learn the skill of emotional maturity and emotional intelligence. Really all we're doing when we say emotional maturity is witnessing ourselves, noticing a feeling or reaction we're having, being able to begin practicing practicing what triggered or ignited that feeling or reaction, and then understanding, at least beginning with some grace and accepting why it's there. There's some information for you to dive into and explore about yourself. That's what responsibility can look like as you learn. You're just learning yourself, what makes you react or respond in certain ways, what needs you might have and have not been met largely your entire life. Those are all very, in some ways, can be sort of secretive, invisible ways that are the things driving our expression outward into another. They're driving that reaction to this person who just called me for the third time when my response to them every time has been nothing but sweet and pacifying and overextending myself again, when really I'm over here under my breath, grumbling, resentful that they're again asking me to do this thing when... I haven't set any clear boundaries. I haven't clearly communicated with them. I haven't graciously said no and that I'm taking care of myself or I'm unable to attend X. If we don't communicate ourselves clearly, 
which is a skill that comes when we learn ourselves. We have to know what to communicate before we communicate it. Those are all learned aspects of responsibility so that we can actually show up in a workable way with ourselves and also those around us. And I think to to kind of add into the mix a little bit of a counterintuitive spin on this. So, you know, as absolutely I became aware of all of these ways I was overstepping myself and my passive aggressive nature and that secret brewing resentment was leaking out in these, you know, very objective, tangible ways where if we pull back, we're like, yeah, I don't want to be that way. I want to break those habits. Something a bit more complicated that I continue to see in myself are actually positive, what I would call opportunities that I'm offered that still kind of put me or what feels to me to be in that same position of navigating my responsibility to myself and meeting my own needs. And these very, you know, um, positive opportunities that which I'm very grateful for. And what I mean when I say this is, is, you know, I have, you know, endless emails of opportunities for podcasts I can be on. Right now we're in the middle of figuring out an upcoming book tour where we'll be going to Europe for, you know, a multitude of different opportunities. And, you know, when I'm faced with these decisions, there's there's a pull. Wow, these are great things. Look at all these people who want to talk to me, who want to meet me, all of these cool things that I could do, feeling very positive, though my tendency sometimes is in those moments to wash away what my needs might be, to overbook myself, to book things at a time that, you know, don't naturally work for my sleep schedule or when I'm the freshest. So sometimes it's not always just the negative that feel really challenging. I feel that pull in real time up in, in this moment. I'm navigating a lot of this recently where it feels very appealing to want to go and do and be present in all of these offerings or these opportunities that I'm being, you know, given the opportunity for. So sometimes it's it's that pull too. Understanding that for me, you know, I need to be sleeping well, eating well, being grounded in my own body and my own presence. Because if I'm not, if I'm overbooking, you know, podcast after podcast with little to no break on little to no sleep. Probably by podcast two, three, or four, I'm going to be just making it through. I'm not going to be fresh and present and in my flow. And then the quality of the interaction or the product itself will will suffer. So sometimes it's not always just, I want to avoid doing or being in a negative way. Sometimes it's understanding and standing in our own limits, even if there is an appeal or a desire to want to, to be present in all of the ways for all of the people. A word that keeps popping into my mind as I'm listening to you share and just sitting here reflecting in real time on this episode is integrity and responsibility, actual responsibility for ourselves at its core, I believe is integrity. It is being your word and at the very least honoring your word. We can't always keep the word that we give or the promise that we make, though we can honor that we gave our word to something, that we made that promise and maybe something needs to shift and change. All of that is within the realm of integrity, integrity with ourself. Responsibility could almost be a synonym to that. If we are responsible for ourselves, we are being our word with ourselves. We are being integrous. So even as I'm hearing Nicole sharing about these, you know, the reality of being responsible for ourselves, even in a positive light, when there's all these amazing opportunities coming at us, it had me zoom out for a moment and start to think, particularly the parents come to mind often because 
I think often in a very maternal way. I was a caregiver for decades, really, and worked in pediatrics at the bedside in hospitals for a number of years. And I always hear things through the voice of a parent of, well, that must be nice, you know, to be over there in your own lane, not having to be responsible for a small child or another human being. And this is just a gentle reminder for even myself and the little child within me for all of us to peel back and to witness ourselves as if we were that child that we are taking care of. You don't have to be perfect all the time. You're not going to be responsible all of the time. Though the importance is to look at your own lane, your own boundaries. So as a parent, that child is going to witness what you are doing. If you want to be responsible for yourself to in turn then be responsible responsible for your child, your child is going to notice you looking after yourself. Your child is going to notice that you brush your teeth, that you eat nutritious foods, that you also put yourself to bed, or at the very least that you talk about making those things a priority. All of these self-care needs, the same practices or rituals that we do our best to teach children so that they grow up into adults who have great practices, know how to look after themselves, know how to navigate in the world, know how to understand their emotions. We can't offer that to a child. We can't teach emotional regulation or personal responsibility or emotional maturity to a child if we haven't yet learned and gone through those actions ourselves. So a huge shout out and a lot of love and acknowledgement to all of the parents, all of the caregivers, all of you who are looking after another human being. We do absolutely honor that there is a lot more there for you because there's responsibility of yourself and also this other being that actually is, and until they're 18, technically, legally is dependent on you. So in the smallest ways, you can look at integrity with yourself. If you want to make commitments to your own wellness, to your own health, to meeting your own needs, start small. Listening to this podcast is a huge one. They're witnessing you taking care of yourself. They will model that behavior from you. And I think one of, you know, this, this conversation applies and in, include it to those moments where the needs of the parent or the self of the parent are in opposition to at least what the perceived needs are of the child. And what I'm referencing is, I think it was a couple weeks ago, um, I did a, a live on IG um, with Dr. Shafali, and we were having a conversation about constant, conscious parenting. And somehow the conversation came upon the scenario that I'm sure many parents listening of a, a child who's, you know, dysregulated, crying, you know, in a state of need or having a state of emotional upset. And at the same time, the parent comes to the awareness and, you know, this very conscious, responsible, you know, vantage point of the need for separation for a moment before they turn the doorknob to walk into their child's room. And when Dr. Shafali and I were talking about it, we were acknowledging how important that choice is for the parent in that moment to give themselves that one moment to reground, to take maybe two deep belly breaths before they enter the room, to calm themselves to the best of their ability before then they make themselves present and available to then help calm their child. And I'm sharing that because on the heels of that conversation, I think it might've been someone in our self-healer circle membership that then came into our portal and wrote a post 
um, in our very Facebook appearing uh, private messaging portal in there to the nature of feeling grateful that they had happened upon that conversation because this parent was feeling a lot of shame and a lot of guilt for coming to the awareness that there are many moments throughout their day in their parenting journey of having those differing needs, of having a dysregulated child and them just needing a moment to breathe or scream in their closet or do whatever they need before then they're able to make themselves available. And they were sharing gratitude because up until that conversation, they were feeling really shameful. So I think this conversation is incredibly important to acknowledge here as well, that those moments will be ultimately in service of your child. Because the more grounded and regulated you are when you do then enter that space to be available to them is going to help them feel that much safer for you. And like you're beautifully sharing, Jenna, model for them the the reality that different humans have different needs at different moments and not being ever present and ever available to someone is an expectation that some of us have that is so unrealistic. So those moments, as shameful as they might feel right now, um, as small as they might feel right now, how incredibly important that modeling is to show different to show that, you know, parents do have needs. And when I come in and I'm a little bit more regulated, I can be safer for you to help explore and understand what's happening for you. And all of that is built when the parent themselves acknowledges that they too have needs and have an an expectation that they don't have needs or they're always able to be on and available to their dysregulated child is really unrealistic. You'll be able to take your children through the process of that regulation only when you also have gone through that process and then are able to articulate that to the child because you're human just like them. And that's really powerful for them to learn too. Oh, this mommy, daddy, whatever they call you (laughs) is just like me. They're human too. They have the same emotions. We originate from the same place. That's a massive gift of safety to a child for them to have the validation and affirmation. I can only imagine what childhood would have been like for myself personally if any of the adults around me let me know, hey, I'm human too. I hurt that way too. I cry this way too. Instead of an endless shaming for a tantrum or an upset when in reality, if I was tantruming and upset and had all of that anger or pain that I did, I know that my parents also did. It might have been behind closed doors or in rage and fighting directly in front of me. So I couldn't make a connection to that. I saw it as scary and unsafe when really the anger that I saw as unsafety was the same anger I felt within. And had a parent around me been able to acknowledge that anger and articulate it and not say, oh, I'm sorry for being angry. We shouldn't apologize for our anger. I think apologies come as a result of things that we often do in reaction to our anger or in response to our anger. Though anger itself is a very valid emotion, it's actually a gift. It teaches us a lot about what wounding is there. So the more we are able to witness and give language to ourselves about our own process and our own experience, we can then gift that to our children and explain that to our children so they can not avoid the same processes, but instead feel comfortable and safe in the reality of this wild human experience and know that they have a safe being, a safe caregiver, a safe adult to help 
guide them through that. They have someone's hand to hold on to. And for all of us as adults here listening, we are doing the work to extend that hand to ourselves. Myself as a child did not have that adult. Very likely the majority of the people who are drawn to our work and a path of healing also did not experience that safety. It's why our souls and our hearts are still yearning for it and are still calling for it now in adulthood. We want the hand to grab. Well, the hand now is a hand we get to extend to ourselves, to our own inner child within. And when we do that process, we then begin extending a hand to the actual children of the world today so that we can pull them with us on this path and they get to go into their adulthood already with this toolbox of knowledge and wisdom and connection to their own inherent wisdom within and to their own hearts. They go really on a path right back to themselves in a place that we could only hope to get to as adults at this point in our lives. So ultimately, bringing this full circle, the way we can begin to extend extend that hand to ourselves um, is, you know, often begins when we're not necessarily behaving, I think, what we traditionally think of when we think of responsibly, right? When we think of the word even responsible, we think of, you know, grounded and responsive as opposed to reactive, though. Saying all of that to say that for many of us, connecting with how things are right now, with what the habits are that are creating our worlds as they are present right here and right now, which many of us might come to the awareness that we are reactive in these ways. We are people pleasers. We are caretakers. There is no room or space for our needs. So ultimately we're not acting responsibly at all. We're acting quite reactively. So bringing this again, all full circle, the journey of taking responsibility for ourselves as all things begins in that conscious awareness, um, seeing the habits and patterns, all of the ways where we don't have space for our needs, for our limits. And then regardless of who is depending on us, beginning to create that change because to show up for that hypothetical person, that child, that colleague, that partner, that family member, whoever that might be, we truly have to make sure that we're in a grounded place, that our needs are met so that we can feel truly responsive and can truly act in integrity or in alignment with what it is or how it is that we want to be. So as always, thank you, Benjamin, for sharing this this question with us. Thank you, all of you who tune into these episodes, who share these episodes week after week. Um, We look forward to continuing the conversation with you next time.